Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. You might know from firsthand experience at this point in your wedding plans that creating your seating chart can quickly become one of wedding planning's biggest pains. I know it can quickly turn into the jigsaw puzzle from hell, but I have some really easy tips and tactics that will ease the pain and take the task of creating your wedding seating chart from dreaded to done. Thousands of engaged couples have planned simple, meaningful, and affordable multi-day, multi-event wedding celebrations, and you can do it too with Wedding Weekend by Design. Wedding Weekend by Design is a digital wedding planning package specifically for couples who want to maximize their wedding celebration across multiple days and multiple events. Whether you're stuck in the initial thoughts of, I don't think we can pull that off with our time and budget phase, or you've already committed but you're finding yourselves in a tangled mess of half-made plans, Finally, I have an incredibly straightforward six-step framework to planning your multi-day wedding celebration from start to finish with absolutely zero guesswork. Visit weddingweekend.co to get started planning your dream celebration today. That website again is weddingweekend.co. Enjoy the show very much for being here with me this week to spend some time talking in detail about creating your wedding reception seating chart. Now, as you might know from firsthand experience at this point in your plans, creating your seating chart can become one of wedding planning's biggest pains in the neck. However, I firmly believe that there are some tips and tactics that can ease your pain and take this task from your dreaded list over to your done list. Before we get into those tips and tricks, let's quickly talk about why a seating chart is so important for certain weddings and also some scenarios where you might not even need one. So first off, when is a seating chart necessary? In my humble opinion, a seating chart is necessary in any of these following scenarios. So first off, you're having a seated meal and you have 50 or more guests. Next would be you have guests who come from completely different areas of your life and may not know each other well. You may have guests who ideally need to be separated for any multiple number of reasons, which we'll get into later in the show. 
And lastly, if you are having a plated meal service, your venue might actually require that guests are in assigned seating with clearly marked meal choices that are visible to your wait staff. And we're going to cover that much more in detail later in the show as well. So those are all situations where you definitely want to have a seating chart. And here's the biggest problem of not assigning seats and or tables if your wedding lines up with any of those situations that we just listed. A lack of assigned seating can easily cause feelings of uneasiness and confusion among your guests, which is definitely something we want to avoid. Their focus, your guests, that is, your guests' focus is going to pull away from just relaxing, enjoying some cocktails, and they're going to shift into this fight or flight desperation mode, which might sound pretty dramatic, but really it happens where people are scrambling to make sure that they don't have to sit at the same table as so-and-so or they don't want to sit by your drunk Aunt Susan, and they do want to sit with the cousins they haven't seen in forever. And then multiply this frenzy by just 100 plus guests who are all scrambling to reserve their seats. They're asking everyone else where they're sitting and getting stressed out and not wanting to be stuck at a table where they don't know anyone. You get the idea. The whole point of your wedding reception is for guests to be able to relax and really enjoy this extremely special occasion. So having everybody stressed out about where they're going to sit is not going to get us to that goal. So if the reason that you are resisting doing assigned seating, if the reason is that you're trying to avoid the pain of figuring out where to put everyone or maybe you're trying to avoid the additional cost that's associated with making a seating chart and having name cards, etc., then not to worry. I have lots of suggestions for making this stress-free and little to no cost that we're going to review in detail today. Now, before we go into tactics for creating your seating chart, I do want to touch on the flip side of what we just talked about when you definitely should have a seating chart. On the flip side, open seating can be a perfect option depending on the type of reception and meal service that you're planning. Some examples of where no seating assignments makes perfect sense are if you're planning a casual buffet style reception, maybe you're having an ongoing food service such as a cocktail reception where there's not necessarily a start and an end time to the meal. You might be having food trucks or even food stations set up where guests are up and about making their plates and mingling and interacting in the process. They might be standing up to eat at bar tables, a mix of seated and standing, That makes perfect sense not to assign tables and or seats. And then lastly, if you're having a really small and intimate wedding of less than 50 people, and this is important, all 50 people get along with each other, that's the catch there because I know for lots of our family and friends situations, not everybody gets along. In that situation, having no official seating chart is probably just fine. 
Guests are naturally going to roam around, chat, enjoy themselves, and you can save yourself the pain and the hassle of even trying to figure out where people should sit. So for some of you, you're dismissed. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I certainly hope you'll stick around for the rest of the show. We're also going to talk about the difference between assigned tables and assigned seats later on today. So maybe if you're on the fence about actually assigning every guest a specific chair, making just the general table assignments might be a good option for you. So stay tuned for much more on that. And now that we've done that very general overview, let's get specific and talk about some tactics for creating your seating chart. And the first really important tip I have to share with you is set your RSVP date for four to six weeks before the wedding date. Look, there's no wedding law that says your RSVP date needs to be two weeks before the wedding. Although if you Google it, that's the most common guideline that comes up that you should have all your RSVPs in two weeks before the wedding. Yes, that's true. You definitely should have them at least two weeks before the wedding. I would recommend setting that deadline at four to six weeks. And my little rant on this is that people are fully capable of committing to an event, especially especially an event as big and important as a wedding, way more than two weeks in advance. I have stuff on my calendar like playdates for my kids and school functions that are six months in advance. People can certainly commit a yes or a no if they're going to attend your wedding more than two weeks ahead of time. And furthermore, guess what? No matter when you set that date, people still aren't going to respond on time. Unless you have the most considerate, proactive, and organized group of friends and family on the planet, people are still going to let that final RSVP deadline come and go without ever taking the card off their refrigerator and simply throwing it in the mail. So you might as well give yourself some cushion time to chase everyone down and get things finalized. Just imagine the difference in your stress level if you could sit down and make your seating chart a full month in advance and not feel weighed down by pressure and doom of a million other things that are going to be on your to-do list in that last week or so before the wedding. This episode is not about invitations and RSVPs, but I think it's important to mention that in the general interest of your sanity, setting your RSVP deadline four to six weeks in advance of the wedding is going to buy you a ton of peace of mind, not only with the seating chart, but in so many other areas as well. So with all that said, when should you start making your wedding reception seating chart? You can definitely get started on this as soon as your guests start confirming that they will be there. You do not have to wait until you have every single last RSVP in your hand, although I will say there might likely be some last minute tweaks and touches that do have to wait until the very end. I'd be willing to bet that you can look at your guest list pretty early on and determine right away a lot of the yeses and a lot of the noes, especially among your closest family and friends. 
This is a great place to start with a general outline of your seating chart. And now that you're ready to start creating one, let's talk about the how. I'm gonna run through two very different approaches here, starting with old fashioned, and then I'll get more techie in just a minute. Now I'm a hands-on gal, so my preferred seating chart method is the good old fashioned poster board and sticky notes. A really quick overview of what that looks like. You're gonna take a big, huge piece of poster board. You're gonna sketch the floor plan, excuse me, of your venue, all the tables, the shapes, the sizes, and then you're gonna put your guest names on sticky notes and start moving everyone around until it looks right. This way you don't need to be erasing and rewriting and erasing and have a big old mess. You simply lift up that sticky note and reposition it until you feel like you've got a good working plan of where people fit best. Another easy way to do that would be on a whiteboard if you have one of those lying around at home. I don't know how many of us do, but that's definitely a nice, neat and clean option as well. Now, if you're more of a technology lover and you would prefer to do this paperless on your phone or on a computer, I'll link to some really great online seating chart tools. So check your email for my weekly show recap. I'll put it in there. Or you can take a look at the show notes for today's episode when you have a hands-free moment. And I'll take just a moment to say here, if you have not signed up to receive email show recaps each week, it's a really convenient way to get all the details from each show delivered right to your inbox. And you can sign up for those on our website, which is weddingplanningpodcast.co. Once you've decided which method you prefer, old-fashioned paper and post-it notes or the technology route, it's time to get to work. So with that, let's review who should sit together. How can you start to group people? Now, of course, we all have very unique quirks and ins and outs in our families and in our friendships, but these are just some suggested pairings for getting started with who should sit where. Let's start with you and your new spouse. First off is deciding whether or not you wanna do a sweetheart table, maybe a head table with your wedding party, and maybe you have room to include the wedding party dates on that head table as well. If you have the space, I'm a big fan of having your wedding party members seated with their dates. But of course, this is a matter of space and also of your own personal tastes. I've traveled to countless weddings with John where just one of us has been in the wedding party and I always appreciate it so much when we're seated together. Spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars to travel for a wedding where you don't really know many people and then being seated at the back of the ballroom with a bunch of strangers away from your date who you came with. It's just not that fun. But again, do what you will. No judgment here. Whatever fits and whatever makes more sense. Just in my own personal experience, I always really appreciate sitting with my date, even though only one of us may be in the wedding party, if that makes sense. Now, moving on to close immediate family. I'm a fan of your parents sitting with your new spouse's parents, and same goes for the grandparents. 
And then depending on the number of siblings that you each have, they belong close to with dates and or children, which don't want to get too carried away. We'll get to that in just a minute. The whole spirit of the wedding and the whole spirit of marriage is about bringing your two families together and seating everyone at the same tables and kind of co-mingling the families, so to speak, is a perfect, really symbolic opportunity to bring everyone together. I'd be willing to bet that many of these people probably have never even met each other before. So this is a really great opportunity to blend your families and have everyone get to know each other. And depending, again, on your families and your personalities, if you're completely stressed out by the thought of mixing up your parents and your grandparents and having everyone sitting together for the first time and talking and mingling, if that's just not your family's style, then that's totally fine. No problem. It's definitely not required. So your immediate family, I'm happy to say, is kind of the easy part. Although for some of us, not the case with divorces and extended families and step parents, and we'll touch more on that in just a couple minutes. After the immediate family, let's move into the rest of your wedding guests. So we're talking extended family, friends from all over the map, co-workers, divorced couples, ex-hookups, socially awkward people, everyone drinking heavily. <laughs> this is where things can kind of go off the rails. The easiest starting point before you just have your sp head spinning and getting overwhelmed, the easiest way to start is to group your guests by how you know them. So your close friends who you went to college with, your high school friends, your co-workers, your aunts, your uncles and cousins, your parents' friends. As you categorize people by their connection to you, you'll naturally start to see groups that make the most sense kind of form and then they can be seated together. And a quick note on table sizes before we get too much further into today's conversation, make sure this might mean an email or a phone call to your venue if you haven't done a detailed walkthrough, but make sure you have a clear understanding of your venue's table sizes and also the general layout of your reception space. It doesn't do any good to get everyone sorted into table groups of eight people if your venue tables all seat 10. <laughs> You're going to have to start over and go back to the drawing board. So very important that you have a clear idea of the venue table sizes and then the general layout of your room. And now let's talk about a kid's table. If you're having kids at the wedding, and I know a lot of us decide to do adults only, which I 100,000% support. I did adults only for my own wedding, and I love the vibe of an adults only wedding. I do have two little kids of my own. I would never be offended to leave them behind and have a date night with just my husband. So whichever way you're doing it, it's fine if you're not having kids. If you are having kids, then a dedicated kids table can be a lot of fun for everyone. Just some quick notes here. As a mom of a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, let me say, most kids about four years old or younger 
probably won't qualify to sit away from their parents just from a general life skill perspective. So plan on keeping the toddlers and of course the babies close by with their parents. I would say depending on kids' personalities, starting at about age five, you're probably good to go by being seated at a kid's table, especially if there are older siblings, cousins, and friends who can kind of oversee that and help out. Now, I've alluded to this a couple of times because it's come up in so many of your questions. Unfortunately, there are likely some danger zones in your seating plan. And unfortunately, you probably have people coming to the wedding who would prefer not to be anywhere near certain other people. In lots of cases, we have parents who cannot stand the sight of each other. They cannot get along to save their lives, and they never want to be in the same room together, let alone seated at the same dinner table. It might not be parents. It might be your maid of honor who hooked up with your cousin at a camping trip gone wrong years ago. It might be bad blood among family members. Whatever the situation, be proactive and be really sensitive about people who don't want to be seated near other people and do everyone a favor and just seat them as far apart as possible. I literally got handfuls of messages for today's show from you have parents who hate each other, how to put them as far away as possible without being obvious about it, where to seat step parents so that there's not interaction between the ex-spouses. The list goes on and on and on. And I am so heartfelt sorry if you're struggling with parents who can't get along with each other. Clearly, they're both going to be at the wedding in most cases, maybe not all. So just do your best to keep them away from each other and hope that everyone can act like adults for a few hours on one of the most important days in their child's life. I'll be thinking a million positive thoughts for you if you're in this situation. And I'm happy to say that in 99.9% of cases, the wedding day and evening will go off without a hitch. People can typically kind of get along and be adults about this. So by now, when you get to the end of your seating chart and you've kind of got the obvious people seated together, you might find yourself with a couple handfuls of leftover people. And these are people who just don't seem to fit anywhere. This is where, at this point, the seating chart frustration combined with people who can't stand each other and can't get along, this is where the frustrations start to multiply and creep in. I want you to please take a very deep breath and hear me out here. The great news is that no one is going to be sitting in their assigned seat or at their assigned table for the entire wedding. So it's not like you're putting people into a prison sentence of eight hours stuck in an elevator together. We're talking about sitting at a table with eight to 10 other people for an hour or two max. We're talking dinner, speeches, and announcements. And beyond that, Everyone's going to be up and about mingling, drinking, dancing, photo boothing, talking, and having fun. So put this whole seating chart thing into perspective. Do your best and trust that people are going to make the best of it, 
even if they don't strike up a lifelong friendship with their table mates. Your seating chart is not going to make or break someone's entire experience and enjoyment of your wedding. So sigh of relief, this is a big deal and it matters, but it's not the end of the world. Coming up after a quick break, we're going to review some very important things to consider about your venue layout. We're going to touch on assigned seats versus assigned tables and your wonderful seating chart questions. Brilliant Earth has a mission to cultivate a more transparent, sustainable, compassionate, and inclusive jewelry industry. Since their founding in 2005, giving back initiatives have focused on responsible sourcing, social impact, and climate action. Brilliant Earth has set a new standard in diamond sourcing, beyond conflict-free. They only accept diamonds from specific mine operations and countries that follow internationally recognized labor, trade, and environmental standards. Their ethical, stunning, and one-of-a-kind wedding rings and bands offer unique designs for the perfect symbol of your love. Be sure to check out their online tool that helps you find the wedding band that pairs best with your engagement ring style, giving you a great list of recommended styles to choose from. Check out all of their beautiful pieces at BrilliantEarth.com. That's BrilliantEarth.com. Susan's Travel Services is so excited to partner with you to plan your honeymoon, destination wedding, or maybe even your bachelor or bachelorette party. Susan and her team have been planning dream vacations for 27 years, and they are truly the best in the business for start-to-finish planning services. Travel and new experiences are incredibly special to me, and Susan and her team have helped me plan some unforgettable vacations, including a bachelorette party in Cabo and a family anniversary celebration in Cancun. They meticulously researched the best all-inclusive options for us based on some very specific priorities and the professional assistance in choosing location, resort, activities, and transportation was absolutely priceless. Susan has been in the travel business for 27 years and she personally travels to her recommended destinations all the time. So she has firsthand on the ground experience with all the amazing resorts, excursions, and services that she recommends. From all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean, overwater bungalows in the Maldives, or that African safari that you've always dreamed of, save yourself hours of research and guesswork and let Susan and her team find you the best options for a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Reach out to Susan and her team today by emailing info at susanstravelservices.com And be sure to let her know that I sent you and get $50 off your final booking or $200 off your destination wedding. Her email one more time is info at susanstravelservices.com. And we're back settled in. Let's touch on the importance of considering your venue's floor plan as you're planning out who sits where. This is when you want to sit down and consider things like the following. Number one, where is the dance floor? Number two, what are the heavily trafficked areas? Where are the wedding party going to come in during the announcements? Where's the bar? Where's the food? Where are people going to be moving about? 
Where will grandma be comfortable in her wheelchair? And more importantly, where will she not be comfortable in her wheelchair? Elderly guests who are hard of hearing aren't going to enjoy much if they're right next to the DJ stand and they can't hear anything that's going on. Also make sure your closest family and the wedding party are in your VIP tables with clear sight lines front and center. Ask yourself, is the kids table relatively close to their parents? Are they make sure they're not across the entire ballroom in case something goes wrong or someone needs something? Run through the floor plan and just put yourself in the shoes of a wedding guest. Think of people with special needs as you're finalizing exactly where to put everyone. Next up, let's address the difference between assigning tables versus assigning actual seats. How you choose to seat your guests is entirely up to you. And it also might be dictated by your venue. I mentioned at the very beginning of today's show that some venues may require assigned seats so that the wait staff knows exactly who's seated where with regards to their meal selections. This can be critically important in the case of really severe allergies. So ask your venue and check in, do they require you to place each guest in an assigned seat? Now, me personally, unless your venue absolutely requires it, or if you're doing really long rectangular table seatings, I think that assigning actual seats is overkill. I don't think it's necessary. Again, unless your venue requires it, or if you can visualize those long rectangular table seating arrangements, I think then it's good to assign people exactly where to sit along that rectangle. I'm more a fan of assigning just the table, and this gives everyone a general idea of where to go, but once they get to the actual table, your guests can take any seat they feel comfortable in and sit down and relax. This makes your job a lot easier and it eliminates the need for having individual name cards. This leads us perfectly into our next item to discuss for the day. And that is what are some fun options for displaying the seating chart and for guiding guests to their tables? If you have spent any time on Etsy or Pinterest, you might have a taste of how many endlessly unique ways there are to display seating and table assignments. Let's go through just a couple of the options. First off, let's talk about a centralized place card table. This is where you would set up your guest names and their table numbers on individual cards for everyone to pick up and take to their seat. These can be called place cards, guest name cards, name cards, escort cards. It's all the same thing. Individual name cards we mentioned before, I'll repeat, they are necessary in some venues to communicate meal preferences to your wait staff. So for example, if you're offering chicken, beef, and a vegetarian meal options, then a guest who ordered beef might have a pink card, a green card means the vegetarian dish, and a gold card stands for chicken. So this little card is doing double duty. It's telling your guest where to go sit down. And then it's also telling the people who are serving the food who is eating what. 
Now with place cards and or holders, a really good way to cut this cost in half in some cases, especially if you're doing something really custom or maybe you're splurging on hand calligraphy, a way to cut down on the cost is to group couples together on the same card. So for example, if you have 200 guests on your list, instead of having 200 separate cards, one per person, you can group couples together. So for example, instead of a card for Nancy and a card for her husband, Steve, you put Nancy and Steve table number seven on one card. And last thing I'll mention here with regards to place cards, name cards, guest cards, table cards, escort cards, whatever we want to call them. Last thing you can absolutely do really simple name cards with sheets that can be fed right through your home printer. This is not something that needs to become a really expensive element or needs to be really, really fancy. Take a look in the wedding aisle at the craft store for print at home sheets or they have they come in folded like tent cards a lot of times. You can easily do these handwritten. If you don't have the best handwriting, ask a bridesmaid, a family member to help you out with those. You can also look for print at home sheets online. Do a search for wedding place card sheets on Google or Etsy and you should come back with plenty of options. Now, shifting away from individual cards, another really popular way to communicate seating to your guests is on a really large seating chart sign. You can make one of these digitally using a free or inexpensive template, or you can have a really elaborate, really cool custom seating chart made. Now, the website Etsy would be a great place to start if you're interested in a custom sign. And I would suggest trying a search for wedding seating chart. You will literally get thousands of beautiful options that you can get started with. If you're into doing it yourself and want to take on a little project and you're comfortable with digital design and just a little bit of legwork, the website Canva, that's C-A-N-V-A, has a wedding seating chart design tool, and I'll leave you a link to that in today's show notes. And you know me, I can't get through an episode without mentioning Pinterest. This is another great place to go for seating chart inspiration and also place card ideas. I will link to a board in today's show notes where you can view a ton of visual examples and get some inspiration. And we're going to finish up today's show with some of your questions from Instagram. I asked last week for you to share your seating chart questions and vent out your frustrations. And I want to say a special thank you so very much to everyone who was in touch with your questions. First question and hands down the winner for the most popular question by number of times it was asked in some shape or form is my parents are divorced and hate each other. How should I seat them? We touched on this earlier. I'll say it again. If they literally do hate each other, and I know that some of us are in this situation, 
then do not even try to put them at the same table. Your wedding day shouldn't be a Petri dish experiment of whether or not mom and dad can finally get along with each other for the first time in 20 years. That's not the time. It's not the place. They can and should be separated. Seat them apart with their new spouses, if that's the case, and any other immediate family from their sides and just keep them away from each other. Another listener is wondering if she should mix her family with her fiance's family. Absolutely. I mentioned early on in the show that I think seating your families together is a really nice symbolic way of merging everyone into one big happy family, which is again what the wedding itself is really all about. Now, not Every set of parents or step parents or grandparents are going to become great friends with one another, but seating your families together is a really nice way to break the ice and have everyone get to know each other. So, absolutely, I think it's a great idea. Next up, when should I start making the seating chart? As soon as you have RSVPs coming in, any time is a good time to start. Set your final RSVP date for four to six weeks before the wedding to give yourself some cushion time and then start working on a seating chart draft in that final month or so. Keep things really fluid and flexible until you have heard back from everyone But this is definitely something that can and should be started early so that you're not scrambling around and stressed out about it at the very last second. And a side note for anyone wanting to do a custom table seating chart poster or map, getting something custom made, of course, you will need all all of your RSVPs before you do that because once that's done, it's going to be hard to make modifications to it. Next question, I have more guests than my fiance and I don't want his family at three lonely tables all by themselves. I would absolutely encourage you again to mix them in with your family. There's no need to have everyone seated apart by family, seat his parents, grandparents, any other friends right in with your own. And on the same topic, totally unrelated to seating charts, but same goes for your ceremony. I love having everyone seated all together, both sides of the aisle and not having it separated, your family on one side, other family on the other side, and stacked 100 people versus 30 people. That's a really common thing where one side has a ton more guests than the other. So just blend everyone together and no one will notice. And last question for the day, is it okay not to have a seating chart? We really want all our guests to mingle. Yes, absolutely okay. Back to what we reviewed way at the beginning of today's show. This is totally fine if your wedding meets a few conditions. And for a quick review, it's probably okay not to do a seating chart. Just do open seating if your wedding is a casual buffet style reception, if you're doing an ongoing food service such as a cocktail reception, food stations, or food trucks where there's not necessarily a start and an end time to the meal. And lastly, if your wedding is small, say less than 50 people, I would say that having open seating is totally fine. 
And with that, I'm going to wrap up today's show on seating charts. A humongous thank you again to everyone who was in touch with your questions. Thank you for spending this time with me this week. It really, really, really means a lot to me to be a part of your wedding plans. So thank you for that. You know, what's the number one biggest regret that newlywed couples share? It's that our wedding came, went, and was over in the blink of an eye. So why not extend the experience out across multiple days and multiple events and make it a wedding weekend? There are just six easy steps to planning a life-changing wedding weekend, and you can access the formula right now when you visit weddingweekend.co. Take advantage of flexible payment options or pay in full and get a complimentary wedding strategy call when you visit weddingweekend.co. I'll see you there.